The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. It's time for some summer fun. Let's go somewhere warm, like Alaska. On this episode of Parts Per Billion, we talk about why it's really hot where it's usually really cold and what scientists are and are not doing about it. Aloha, and welcome back to another episode of Parts Per Billion. I'm your host, David Schultz. Climate change is causing a lot of really weird things to happen, but one of the weirdest is the way it's affecting the polar parts of the globe. It seems like the closer you get to either the Arctic or Antarctic circles, the weirder the weather starts to become. It's something that's actually really troubling and something that scientists at the University of Alaska have been doing a ton of research on. However, Bloomberg Environment's Maya Goldman is reporting that those scientists may be about to get their funding cut. And Maya joins us here on Parts Per Billion. Hello, Maya. Hi, thanks for having me, David. Thanks for being here. Uh, So let's talk, uh, before we get into this scientific research, let's talk about what's going on with the weather in Alaska. It's like 90 degrees there. What's going on? Yeah, it's reaching historic highs in Alaska right now, and it's being joined by these crazy wildfires all over the state. And this is one of the three biggest wildfire years in Alaska to date, and scientists are saying that these warmer climates and these um, wildfires that are starting farther north and and starting earlier in the season, these are all things that are in line with their predictions on how climate change is going to affect Alaska. So it's basically like, this is here, this is climate change, this is happening. So it sounds like things are pretty bad in Alaska. What kind of research is the University of Alaska doing into what's going on? So the University of Alaska is the leading Arctic research university, basically, based on the amount of publications that they put out and then the amount of citations of those publications. They know what's going on. Yeah. And they do research on all different parts of the Arctic, like Arctic systems. They do modeling. They do adaptation research to see how we need to go forward with all these changes. Um, And two important areas of interest are the permafrost, which is the layer of ice that's uh, perpetually frozen uh, under the ground. That's sort of the problem that now it's not exactly because it traps a a ton of carbon. And then these wildfires and extreme heat are forcing the permafrost to melt earlier and releasing all this carbon into the air. So it's like a it's like a negative feedback. The, The climate warms. The, car, the, the permafrost melts, it releases carbon, causes the climate to warm more, more permafrost melts. It's like this awful cycle. Exactly. And um, so that's one big thing that they focus on and other things like ocean acidification as well. Um, and then, of course, the University of Alaska also has really strong environmental science programs in other areas. Like um, they do a lot with the fisheries and they have engineering programs and natural resource, natural science programs. And those all... Um, you know, those students oftentimes go directly into working for the state. Um, and so it's really important that they have these strong programs, according to the professors that work in them. Well, according to the professors, but uh, according to the governor of the state, uh, I guess there are other priorities because 
based on your reporting, uh, the governor of Alaska vetoed quite a bit of money that would have gone to uh, research at the university. Exactly. Uh, what was that about? What's going on there? So um, this is the governor's first term, and he campaigned on increasing the Alaska Permanent Fund, which is kind of the dividend uh, that each Alaskan citizen gets from the state's oil industry. Um, so he campaigned on raising that share to $3,000 per person. Of course, in order to get that money, you need to make cuts elsewhere. So he cut huge amounts of money from all kinds of uh, areas of the budget on June 28th, which was um, three days, I think, before the fiscal year started. So uh, it was really sudden and everything just happened all at once. Um, and it was actually the state legislature proposed a budget and then the governor vetoed, did line item vetoes yeah. in that budget. So um, so now the state legislature has the opportunity to override those vetoes, but there's you know, there are all these political issues that make that difficult. We'll get to that in a second. But first, I wanted to figure out why these cuts are important. What's what's going to what are these researchers going to, to not be able to do uh, as a result of losing this money? So at IARC, um, that's what that's the let me let me see if I can guess that uh, acronym. IARC is why the A is probably Arctic. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. A-R, R is research. Yep. Uh, I international. Yeah. Oh, International Arctic Research Center. Yes. Good yes. job. <laughs> yes. There you go. Um, pretty intuitive one. So yeah. uh, so the researchers there um, and other people at the university have told me that they're not as worried about immediate cuts that other programs at the university are worried about um, because most of their funding comes from outside sources. They get you know, federal grants or other institutions give them grants. And so they don't have a ton of state funding directly on their projects. But in order to apply for those outside grants, they need to have strong data. They need to, you know, they can't use federal grants to apply for federal grants, basically. Yeah, yeah. So um, they're really worried about how this is going to affect them in the long term. Um, so they'll still be able to continue to do all the research they're doing now. But what they're worried about is not getting money to do re new projects in the future. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the political situation there. You mentioned that the uh, legislature uh, sent a budget to the governor. The governor uh, used his uh, veto pen to uh, black out uh, several line items, including funding for the University of Alaska. Can the legislature override uh, the veto? It sounds like it's it's a little bit of a confusing situation, but it seems unlikely. Like, what's going on there? Yeah. So basically, um, state lawmakers voted on Wednesday whether they wanted to overturn the vetoes, and they didn't have a quorum in Juneau, which is where the state capital is. Those who were present voted 37 to 1 in favor of overturning the vetoes, but they needed a majority of at least three-fourths, which is, I think, 45. So it sounds like, the, in other words, the governor's allies are able to prevent the vetoes from Exactly, being yeah. So what, is, what does that say, though, about the state of the way people think about climate change in Alaska. I mean, they're they're living climate change on a day to day basis. They're feeling the effects most acutely, and yet it sounds like there's not the political will to, you know, restore these cuts that would go to more climate research. Like, what's what does that what does that mean? Yeah, it's really interesting, and I think it just goes to show how layered all these issues are because you know people in Alaska really depend on this Alaskan permanent fund this you know money from the government that they're right. getting and um 
I talked to uh, the director of the International Arctic Research Center, and he said, IARC. IARC. <laughs> he yeah. said, yeah, I get it. I get how important this is to people, but what people who aren't able to look past that don't understand is that, you know, we need this research in order to sustain our state <laughs> for years to come. It's, you know, we need to be looking beyond survival right now um, to long-term survival, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that was uh, Bloomberg Environment's Maya Goldman. You can find more of her reporting at our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. And if you want to chat with us on social media, use the hashtag parts per B. That hashtag, once again, is parts per B. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself, along with Marissa Horn and Jessica Coombs. Nicholas Sanzalata is our audio engineer. The music for this episode is A Message by Jazar. It was used under a Creative Commons license. Believe it or not, I'm uh, taking a few weeks off for vacation, so I'll see you when I get back. Uh, Until then, thanks for listening. Cases and Controversies is all about the Supreme Court. Oh, come on. You know, come on. Well, I agree with you. Be serious. We sit down with leading practitioners and scholars to break down these cases. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up so I didn't have to. uh... Oh, I didn't know that. That is interesting. I guess my imagination is running wild. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tune in every week for our deep dive and sneak peek episodes wherever you get your podcasts. As always, check out the latest at (laughs) news.bloomberglaw.com. <laughs> the countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.